I have my alarm set to go off in 15 minutes. I got to leave. My apologies. It's good to see all of your faces. It's good to uh, fellowship in the joy of the Lord as we have done here this morning. I, uh, I was kind of in anticipation because you were coming together again, everybody here today. And uh, I feel a, a great sense of uh, unification singleness of heart, oneness of God, amen, as we come together. Uh, I greet you in the name of the Lord, Elder Hart. Amen. Would you grab your Bible with me today? Amen. Please remember, uh, we have the Escaleras are on vacation this weekend. Martinez and the Riojas and Brother Martin are all in California. Uh, so if you're going, where's all these people at? Um, but just remember them in prayer as they're traveling. The hand of the Lord on them. Go with me to the book of Jeremiah, please. Chapter number one. Jeremiah chapter one. Many of you were there a couple of Tuesdays ago when Brother Berglund ministered to us in Union Gap. And then he ministered the same thing the following Sunday in Puyallup. And I went in and listened again. And he made a statement there that has stayed with me. He talked about how the church must, we must get to the point where we recognize we have victory over these things. When we've been blood bought, we've been filled with the spirit of God and we're walking in the will and the calling of God. We as the people of God should not continue battling these things in our life. We should get victory. And because we should be taking it to those that have not been loosed and set free. This is the calling to the church. And that stayed in my spirit and resonated there. And Bishop ministered to a handful of us. We were just having some food and conversation last night. And uh, just things resonated that had been in our spirits and conversation. I want us to see some things in the word of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4. Prophet Jeremiah said, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Now, this speaks of the character of God. God, we know, is no respecter of persons. And so we see something about the design, the character, and the nature of God in what he reveals in speaking to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you. And before you came out of the womb, I put some things on you. I did some things. Now, Jeremiah had to make choices to walk in what God had formed him to do. Because we can read this and go, man, I wish God would have done that for me. I'm going to tell you something. He did. I'm going to say that again because some of you believe it and some of you are like, I don't know. I'm telling you, he did that for you too. If he did it for Jeremiah but not us, he is a respecter of persons. But he's not. He chose Jeremiah. He formed him with an end in mind. He shaped him with a purpose in mind. He knew the time and the generation in which Jeremiah would be born. He knew the state of the world and the condition of his people at the time Jeremiah would come to the scene. You think God didn't know all that already? 
And so he knew. And so he said, I got to form this man this way. I'm going to give him this disposition. I'm going to allow this to be a part of his nature because I'm going to use him a certain way in a certain time that I have ordained him to work. He's going to be the look. You can go back through scripture. Moses was born to his parents, a child in the midst of Israel being in bondage to Egypt. Do you not think for a moment that God didn't know I'm going to raise up a deliverer? It was in the mind of God already. And so he formed Moses accordingly. He formed and fashioned that child in the womb of his mother before Jochebed ever knew what he was going to be. She was there with child and God was forming and ordaining Moses' life. And Moses was born. The princess of Egypt takes him and puts him in the house of Pharaoh. He's raised in Pharaoh's house under Egyptian tutelage. But yet, he holds to the word of God. See, he still had to choose. Don't think he wasn't pulled by Egypt. Don't think he wasn't pulled by all the learning of the world of Egypt. But he had some things put him at an early age. You think God didn't know ahead of time? And God formed Moses. He fashioned Moses before he was ever a thought in his parents' mind, knowing there will come a time in 80 years when this child that's but a seed is born. And 80 years later, I'm going to bring him back. If walk in my... God set destiny on Moses' life. God set destiny on Jeremiah's life. He knew the generation, the purpose, and the calling before they were ever formed. And he formed them with an end in mind. You believe that? Or do you think it just happened and God thought, oh, maybe I can use them? Oh, no. So you believe that? You know what? I believe that about you. I believe that about every one of you. Not because I just think you're a wonderful, beautiful, great person. And I do. But because of the word of God that cannot fail. I believe this of every single one of us in this room. God formed you. He framed you. He destined you because he knew in this time, in this place, in this hour, you would be alive. Oh, it's not just coincidence that you're here. It's not just, oh, what an amazing thing. This is so wonderful for me. I'm telling you, he knew where you'd be, when you'd be, how you'd be. And he has put things in you and made you and shaped you for a destiny and a design. You have to choose. I'll walk in it. Now, we say, yeah, but I'm, I don't know. I, you know, me and this. I'm not Jeremiah. I mean, Jeremiah, he was formed and ordained. You know, he just, he just spoke the word of God and did the things he was... Okay, let's read a little further. Verse 6. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. I know none of us have ever made excuses like Jeremiah is making an excuse. He was as human as us, and we do exactly... Well, but I, you know, you don't know my background. You don't know what I've come from. You don't know what I struggle with. You don't know. Do you think Jeremiah was perfect and had it all together, never failed? Everything in his life was just exactly the way it ought to be. And he was walking perfectly and upright in everything he did. And he just had all the answers, had all understanding. Do you? I don't either. I think he was as human as you and I. Isn't it, it's sort of funny to me. Moses said the same thing. Lord, I can't speak. 
I don't know. We, we know they could speak. They were talking to God when they said it. What they were saying is, I don't have confidence that I can speak under the utterance of your spirit working through me. And so I'm going to use my human limitations as a way to put limitations on you. And it excuses me from what you've ordained me and destined me for. Mm-hmm. Oh, Moses was perfect. Oh, some of you remember, right? He killed a man, hid him in the sand, feared for his life. This deliverer sent by God. Oh, but he wasn't that yet. And so he fled and hid, not for a week or two, for 40 years. He hid for 40 years from the call of God. Now, I believe God used all that to shape him. He kept a relationship with God, but his relationship with God was simply a preparation for the calling and destiny of God upon his life. And I'm telling you, we are in an hour where I believe with every fiber of my spirit, God is saying, I'd like to bring you into your calling and destiny. It's time to just stop walking around in the desert looking for another burning bush. It's time to stop walking around and going, oh, but I'm a kid and I can't talk. It's time to recognize God formed you and ordained you with a purpose in mind for this hour. Jeremiah said, I can't speak. I'm a child. And the Lord said, listen what the Lord said. And I, I hear the Lord saying this to us. But the Lord said to him, say not. I am a child. Don't say that about yourself. Stop looking through your lens and see from my perspective. Say not, I am a child, for you shall go. Watch. You shall go to all that I shall send you. And whatsoever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of their faces. I'm with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. I want you to notice something there. We're not going to spend a lot, but I want you to see this. The Lord said to him, see, this day I've done it. Now, Jeremiah didn't walk in anything that day. But that day, the Lord did it. Is that what the word says? See, I have this day. There are things, we sing that song, even when I can't see it, he's working. There are things that God has already set in order regarding His destiny and calling on your life and mine. And He's already set it in place. It's done. You and I simply have to walk in it. Walk in it. Now watch. You think this. Go to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. And watch what the Scripture says here. Isaiah 6 and 5. Then said I, this is the prophet Isaiah, the great prophet Isaiah, considered the greatest prophet by the children of Israel. Woe is me, I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen... See, he'd been in the presence of God, and he got a glimpse of who he was and who he was not. And he began to say, I'm this, I'm that, I'm not... And he was right. But watch, verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphims to me, having a live coal in his hand, taken with tongs from off the altar, verse 7. And he laid it on my mouth and said, This hath touched thy lips, and your iniquity is taken away. And your sin is purged. You know what I hear the voice of the Lord saying? Isaiah, I just took away your excuses by the work of my power and my spirit. Now, what an amazing thing this is. 
Isaiah, a man of unclean lips, and I'm among a people of unclean lips. The Lord did not deny that which he said. But the Lord said, I've got a remedy for that. How much more you and I, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that would come to where we are. Anybody believe he died on the cross? Anybody believe he shed blood for the remission of sins? Anybody believe he came to take away the sins of the world? Do you believe that includes you? There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. I was having a conversation with someone last week, and they were, they were describing some things to me where they, they had had a challenge, and they were seeking to just press forward. And I'm like, hey, do you believe in the power of the blood? Yes. Have you prayed for forgiveness? Yes. Do you believe God has truly forgiven you? Yes. Okay, so what's the problem? I'm confused. Is that too simple? You say, well, you're making light. No, I'm not making light at all. But I will not diminish the power of the blood or the Lord's response to my prayer when I say, God, forgive me with a true repentant heart and a sincere heart. Now, I warn you better be careful because some people I've watched get very callous. Like, oh, God, whoops, I messed up. God, forgive me. Okay, he forgave me. Back and then two days later, one day later, that afternoon, do the same thing. There's not a true repentance. There's an abusing of God's grace and mercy. But if I'm truly repentant and you're truly repentant and we pray a prayer asking God, forgive me and enable me to walk as I should. He forgives us. And when I get up from that place of prayer, I am forgiven. Isaiah. Your iniquity is taken away and your sins are purged. Now what's your excuse, Isaiah? Watch verse 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying unto me, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. You've purged my iniquity. You've purged my sin. Here am I. Send me. This should be the cry of the people of God whose sins have been remitted, whose sins have been washed away, and even more than Isaiah have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Here am I. Send me. Verse, not because of what I've done, but because of what you've done in my life. Watch verse 9. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Next verse. Make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their ears and hear with their eyes and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. The Lord wanted to deliver them, but they had a hardness of heart. But the Lord was still going to send somebody to declare the word of God. Acts chapter 9. Verse number 10. There was a certain disciple at Damascus. His name was Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Next verse. And the Lord said to him, 
Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Why? Because Ananias, he's praying. Is that what it says? Stay on verse 11 for just a second, please. Ananias, he's praying. I have his attention now. I have a plan for him that I've had from before I formed him in his mother's womb. But he's been working contrary to me. Oh, he's got some learning that's happened through his life. And he thinks it's getting directed where it should be directed, but he doesn't even realize he's going contrary to my will. I've already got his attention. He's come to realize he's fighting against me. You have to read Acts chapter 8 and the rest of chapter 9. And so now that he realizes he's been warring against me, he's seeking direction. What he doesn't know is he's seeking direction for what I formed him and ordained him for and shaped him for his whole life. Ananias, Saul's praying right now. Go to him. Watch verse 12. And while he's praying there, he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Ananias, I've already showed you to him while he was praying. And he knows your name. Go to him. And he saw you putting your hand on him that he could receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord. Oh, right, Ananias. I know you and I, if we heard God tell, man, like I heard from God, I'm going, right? Sure. Ananias said, uh, Lord, <laughs> I, I've heard about this guy by many people. And how he's done evil to your saints at Jerusalem. Just in case you didn't know this, Lord, I want to make sure you knew before I go. He's human like us. But Ananias, I'm telling you, God knew Ananias before he formed him. And he knew there's going to come a day I need Ananias is going to go pray for somebody. And I know the destiny I have set on Saul. But if Ananias doesn't walk in what I've destined him for, Saul may miss. What, and you understand, it's not about, well, I wish I was Paul or Saul. Ananias walked in the calling of God. It was destiny. We don't read more about Ananias in Scripture. I don't believe this is the only thing he ever did in his work for the kingdom of God. I don't believe that. But this was a part of the destiny set upon his life. So he goes, verse 14, watch, and he's still telling the Lord what he knows about Saul. Here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go your way, for he, this is Saul, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I have a question for you. Do you think that the Lord just decided as Saul was on his way to Tarsus, you know, I think I'm going to use him. I think now is probably a time to get his attention. Maybe I can do something with this guy after all if he'll respond. Or do you believe, as I do, that before Saul was ever formed in his mother's womb, 
God put something on him. God knew the character he put in him. God had a plan for his life. God said, I got to shape this child this certain way. I'm going to cause his parents to have him sit at the feet of Gamaliel and learn. Because I have plans for his life. He won't understand it yet. He may even oppose me. But that's all right. I've got a plan and a destiny for him. And when it's time, I'll visit him. And if he responds to my visitation, my destiny on his life will come to fruition. And if God is no respecter of persons, and he is not, then I believe the same is true of every one of you in this room. That God saw you before he formed you. And he set destiny upon your life. For this hour. For this hour. I don't care if you're 13 years old. Or if you're 93 years old. Or if you're somewhere in between. God saw you before He formed you. He knew you before He formed you. He formed you the way He did, and He's been there all along, allowing influence where you would allow it. And He'll take the sum of all of your life and say, if you'll yield to me, I'll set my destiny and emotion upon you. I'll bring it to pass if you'll yield to me. As I was praying... This morning, in these last few days, this has been turning in my heart. I, I, some of you I saw and I heard different parts of your story. I, Brother Lewis, I was thinking of the stories you've told about being a child in Texas. And I thought, the Lord knew you in Texas. He knew you as a child. He knew all the struggles. And the, but he knew, one day I'm going to bring this man and this woman together as young teenagers and all their trouble and problems. And I'm going to keep the hand of God on them. Even when they're not living for me, the adversary would like to destroy you. But I'm going to keep you because there's a time I'm going to raise you up. I've got destiny set up on you. And I'm going to have you in this valley of Yakima out of Texas. How in the world? Because God had destiny set up on their lives. He had destiny set up on their lives. And he, I, I could keep going. I, I just scribbled down some names here. Brother Abel and Sister Yesenia, I think about the two of you. I remember when Sister Yesenia said, I'm going to the Philippines. I'm like, my oh, Lord, she's lost her mind. What is she? Did that just come out on the She went and Brother Abel comes back and they become married. And I watch through the list, through several years, God begins to work in their lives and their home. And the miraculous things that God has done in them. And, and seeing the work and watching dreams and visions that Brother Abel's had and hearing things and the way God's using them. And I think, Brother Abel, when you were a child, God knew you. He knew one day I'm going to bring you from the Philippines to the U.S. and I'm going to do something in a little bitty church in Selah. I got plans to do things for you. And God knows He has destiny set up on lives. I think of Brother Jerry back there. A kid climbing trees in Saipan. How many of you can find Saipan on a map? Right? Maybe one or two. Some of you are like, I didn't even know there was a place called Saipan. As a little child in Saipan, climbing trees and playing with fire. And you have to hear some of Brother Jerry's stories to know what in the world I'm talking about. But I believe with all of my heart. The hand of God was on him and his family decided we're going to move to California and they bring the child to the U.S. 
And then somewhere along the way, his family makes their way to Washington. And Brother Jerry finds himself in Sela or Nyakama, and he meets this young lady named Irvinia, and, and she's connected to this family called the Sanchez. And all of a sudden, Sister Yesenia is having by, and all these, and God says, I have destiny set up on their life. I have a plan for this young man, this child over here where it seems, does he even know he exists over there? I promise you, he knows, and I could name person after person. I just see, I think my mind was this morning, even. I thought of, Brother Sotelo Sr., Sister Alma, I thought of you. How could it be that in San Blas years ago, the Lord would deal with you and you would bring a little baby boy? This baby boy, and you would move to Washington. And then some 22 or 3 years later, there would be an intersection of lives. And that baby boy from San Blas sits here today interpreting. Oh, and I promise you the ministry is far greater than that. That's in that young man that God has yet to reveal. Because there's destiny set up on the life. And God would order and direct and shape. We got, we got to take this word of God and understand it applies to us. If he chose Jeremiah for a season and Isaiah, he chose you. And I could go around the room and name names. Harara and Brother Joel. I could just keep going. You understand. I don't care how old or how young. He chose you with destiny. And you have to determine. I'm just going to keep walking wondering if God loves me or I'm going to realize he does. I'm just going to keep walking and wondering, can God ever use me? Or I'm going to say, yes, he can. What would you like me to do, Lord? I'm going to keep walking and saying, I just don't know if God really cares. And go, no, no, his word says he does. I know he does. He formed me. He framed me. He has a plan for my life. I'm going to walk in the calling of God. I'm going to walk in the calling of God. John chapter 15, verse 15. John 15 and 15. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Are you a disciple? Careful. Disciple of Jesus is one who follows his teaching. Watch what Jesus said in verse 15. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant doesn't know what his Lord does, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Verse 16. You did not choose me. Oh, you think, you think one day we decided, you know, I think I'm going to choose the Lord and live my life for Him. Oh, definitely you had to make a choice to turn from sin and turn to God. But it was the plan of God for you all along. And this is what Jesus is declaring. You did not choose me. I chose you. I chose you and just waited for you to respond to my choosing. 
I chose you. Not only did I choose you, I ordained you. That word ordained there means I appointed you. I appointed you. For what? That you should go. Do you see a pattern here? Jeremiah, go. Isaiah, go. I've chosen and ordained you that you should go. Acts chapter 1 and 8, you shall be witnesses unto me in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. Go ye therefore. Go, go, go. This is the call of God on every life that he has set destiny upon. Go, go, go. Why? You should go and bring forth fruit, and your fruit should remain that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. See, people take that verse and go, hold on. I thought it said whatever I ask him, he'll give me. It will when you're walking in his choosing and his ordaining of your life. That's not like, Lord, give me the winning lottery numbers in your name. No, it's when I'm walking in his choosing and his ordaining, then whatever I ask in his name, he gives it. You have destiny set upon your life. Why do you think the adversary opposes you? Why do you think the adversary opposes you? You understand, I, I was sharing this with a couple of men yesterday. The, the adversary has more confidence, faith, and belief in the prophetic word of God than we do. The adversary gives himself to trying to understand the prophetic word of God and get ahead of it if he can. Let me prove it to you from Scripture. When Moses was born, this child with destiny, a deliverer, when Moses was born, word got to Pharaoh that there was going to be a deliverer. And so, fearing a deliverer, what is it? It's the adversary rising up, trying to get ahead of the prophetic word of God. And so Pharaoh, fearing a deliverer, thinks, okay, I got to be sure about this. So what I'm saying is, all of the midwives, if there is a Hebrew boy that's born, throw him into the Nile. What was the enemy trying to do? The enemy was trying to stop the prophetic word of God. He was trying to be ahead of it. I'll not let the, here's how I'll get ahead of the prophecy of God. I'll kill every boy that's born so no deliverer can come. What do you think abortion is in our world today? It's the very same spirit. The same spirit that says... I'll take care of children that are formed before their parents know them. I'll try to destroy the destiny of God upon a life before it ever breathes the breath of air on its own. And so that spirit continues. It's the same spirit that worked in the day of Christ. Herod heard from the kings that came from the Far East, and the, or the wise men that came from the Far East, and they said, we're looking for the star. We've come to worship Him. Remember the story? And here they come to worship. Herod says, well, when you find him, tell me, and I'll go worship him too. I'd like to go worship him. And so these wise men go. They worship Jesus, and the, they're being warned of God. They depart a different way, knowing, hold on a minute, something's not right here. And they don't go back. You know this story, right? Well, at this point, Jesus was almost two years old. The wise men didn't show up at the manger. Just I know that. 
I won't let my wife put the little wise men beside the manger when she puts out the nativity scene. I'm like, put them on the other side of the mantle. It's true. I don't want people to walk in my house and see something non-biblical. He was almost two. They weren't at the manger. The wise men weren't at the manger. I'm sorry to just shatter all of your ideas about your Christmas story. They weren't. Go read it again. The wise men weren't at the manger. They came when he was almost two years old. Okay? And so they went a different way. Now watch. The adversary knows the prophetic word of God. And he's trying to figure out, what's his plan? What's he doing? What's the destiny? Where's the life that the destiny is on? Where's the life that the destiny is on? And the adversary can't figure it out, but he knows the prophesied word of Isaiah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the, and the adversary is going, i got to find a way to get ahead of the prophetic word. i got to destroy the prophetic word. i got to destroy the life that has it. But I don't know which life it is. So I'll just start destroying, destroying, destroying. And that's what he does. And so Herod sends out a word. Every man child, two years old and under, kill them. Why? Because the adversary is trying to, the adversary believes the prophetic word of God and says, if I can't hone in on exactly what he's doing, I'll just do mass wipe out of people. The adversary believes in the destiny of God on lives. Why did you think so many of you in this room struggled through some very difficult things in your childhood or in your teen years and you face things that seem like you should be dead by now or you should be out of your mind or you should be maybe even locked up for a lot of time who knows right i won't make you raise your hands but you we know what was happening you're thinking well i just had a tough life and it just stop saying woe is me the adversary was trying to destroy you because there's destiny on your life. And recognize, the adversary thought, but God said, and the Word of God sets on me. He found me when I was lost, and I didn't choose Him. He chose me. He chose me. I'm done walking in the past failure. I'm recognizing the blood has been applied to my life. I've been washed in the blood, sanctified by the Spirit, Born again, I am a child of the Most High God. Some of you believe that. Some of you believe that. You know what the difference is? We were singing that song. I don't remember the words, but I remember the concept of the song. Um, he cares about us. Huh? Wait on the Lord. I wish I could remember all the lyrics. Help me out. Wait on the Lord. That's all I remember, Steve. He'll renew your strength. He's ordering your steps. He cares about us. I wanted to change the words of that song in the middle of this singing. He's ordering your steps. If you don't know He cares about you by now, you should be singing different songs. It's not all about us. He cares about the world. That's why He's ordering our steps. And so somewhere, it's those words of Brother Berglund ringing in my heart. Somewhere i got to believe. The blood has washed me. His Spirit dwells in me. i got to go. i got to go. 
Oh God, fix my stuff. Help me. Keep working on me, Lord, but I'm going and doing. Keep doing stuff in my life. You know all my imperfections and flaws. You're working on them, but I'm doing the work of God. I'm walking in the destiny of God on my life. I'm walking in the calling of God on my life. I'm not waiting till I get perfect because that's not going to happen in this life. And my life is fleeting and fading. I'm called. I'm destined. You're called. You're destined. God has ordained you. So you've got to determine and believe the Word of God. Walk in it. Walk in it. Walk in it. I, I wrote these notes down. I can't read my own writing. That's what happens when I'm... Man, inspiration comes. You can't keep up. Blind Bartimaeus. Remember that story? Sitting by the wayside. Jesus, I saw David. Have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus cried out. The man at Gadara. Remember him? Tombs cutting himself, running around naked, bound with chains and fetters broken. He cried out. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She pressed through. Yeah, you know these stories, right? The man with the son had thrown himself in the fire. Jesus, have compassion on us and help us. The woman with the daughter who comes and the Lord says, you know, the dogs eat the food. I'm not throwing it to dogs. She said, even dogs eat the crumbs. She cried out, Lord, help me. And I was, the Lord was quickening all of these different situations to my life. And to my mind and my spirit these last couple of days. And I thought, you know what? We hear those stories. We read those stories that are true. Amen? We read those stories and we go, oh, Lord, help me. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. But somewhere, I'm telling you, the Lord has arrested my spirit. Somewhere along the way, we got to read those stories and go, hold on a minute. I'm not the woman with the issue of blood. I'm not. The blind Bartimaeus in the story. I'm not the man of Gadara in the story. I'm the body of Jesus Christ in the story. Some of you, you just never even thought of that before. We always hear those stories from the place of God meet my need. God help my need. And, and we can and we should. It should build our faith that God can do anything in our lives where we need Him. And He will! But once he's washed me in his blood, do you realize how great of a miracle that is? That without him, you and I were dead in our sin. But the blood of a spotless lamb shed and the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus applied. I come up dripping wet, but free from sin. I don't care if he ever does another miracle in my life. There is no greater miracle other than what follows the promise that comes after that. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you have no more miracles in your life than those two miracles, the Lord Jesus washes away all of your sin by the blood of the and the Lord Jesus says, I'll put my spirit within you. And he does no other miracles in your life. Those are the two greatest miracles that can happen to any individual on the face of the earth. If he never does anything else for me in my life. Acts 1 and 8. And you shall receive power after your life is all perfect and everything's together and you have no troubles or problems or pains or pressures. And then... 
Oh, that's not how it reads. That's how we think. No, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what? You shall be witnesses unto me. You mean if he's washed me from my sin and filled me with his spirit, I am a child of God. I can now be a witness unto him. Yes. You know who blind Bartimaeus is in the story? It's not us. It's someone out there. You know who the man of Gadara is in the story? It's not us anymore. It's someone out there. The man with the son that's throwing himself. It's not us anymore. It's someone out there. Now, I understand some of us have lost loved ones. Some of us, I understand. But we are the body of Christ. We got to know who we are. We got to know who we are and walk in our destiny and calling of God. Stand with me today, please. You have been chosen of God. I have been chosen of God. Brother Nate, you've been chosen of God. Don't discount that relationship with Jason Williams from years ago. If you haven't reached out to him yet, reach out to him. You've been chosen of God. He needs what you have. He needs what you have. Come on, there's other life. There are people that you're in relationship with. They need what you have. You're a child of God. You're filled with the Spirit of God. Please understand this morning. I'm not diminishing areas of your life where you're asking God to still work. I'm not diminishing or minimizing areas where it's like, man, I still need God to do something in this. I got this and I got I understand. I understand. But somewhere, somewhere. Somewhere the Spirit of God is trying to illuminate it to us. The love of God is trying to illuminate to us. I love you. That's why I washed you. That's why I filled you. Now go. 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 Walk in the destiny and the calling of God. I've equipped you. I've ordained you. I will send you. I, was, I shared it with some of the men the other morning or yesterday morning. Driving around the city of Yakima early in the morning, as sometimes I do. And talking to the Lord and and I felt. I felt the intimidation of the adversary or I felt the adversary trying to intimidate. Different things that have come up. Things I've prayed about and then something happens contrary or opposite to what I prayed. And the adversary wants to put it in my face like, Know what it did, Brother Izzy? Made me mad. Not you. Made me mad. At first, I was like, oh, man. I'm like, no, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. No, I know who I am. I know who I am. I have been filled with the spirit of the living God, not some little God that somebody's tried to make the living God, the one who spoke the world into existence, the world who framed the world, the man, the one who framed the world by his word, the one that came and robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. I am filled with the spirit of the living God. And 
I know we quote it cliche, but I feel it with everything in my spirit, Brother Joel. Greater! Greater! Greater, Brother Lewis! Greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. I will not be intimidated by the things of this world. I will not be intimidated by the God of this world. I make no excuse. We must see who we are and walk in the Word of God. Either it's true or it's not. The adversary has tried to rob you of faith. The adversary has tried to allow the circumstances of life to get you to say, well, I just don't know. Come on, recognize who he is and who you are. You are chosen of God for this hour. For this hour. For this hour. If you look around this room and you see the the mixture of people in this room, and you think, dear Lord, how did all of us end up in Selah, Washington this morning? I really do. I think that a lot. Not, not in a bad way. I love you, you know. But I, I look and I think, my Lord, how did this happen? Well, I know how it happened. I didn't have anything to do with it. He did it. In this little room right here. The amazing power of God bringing these into... You've got to know... This is so... Roaring in my spirit. We need a revelation. We need a revelation. A fresh and a new. A fresh and a new. I'm going to walk in the calling of God. I'm going to walk in the destiny that's set up on my life. I'm going to walk in these things that God has ordained me to walk in. I'm done making excuses, Moses. I'm done making excuses, Jeremiah. I'm done making excuses. I'm going to do what I know I ought to do. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Because the Lord has dealt with me in areas and I haven't responded yet. Now, if that's true of you, if you and I would yield ourselves to, well, I don't know. What if, what if, I don't know either. I just know today. And so I yield myself today. Well, but what's that mean for tomorrow? Tomorrow morning when you get up, You get your life, you lay your life on the altar, say, Lord, I don't belong to myself, but you've washed me in your blood. I know the tomb is empty. You're alive and well because you live within me, and I'm going to walk not of my own doing, but in the power of your spirit, by your grace, order my steps, and lead me to those that need you. Help me to be the body of Christ you bought me into. Would you talk to the Lord right now? I pray revelation and understanding come into our spirit. I pray the lies of the adversary be stripped from our minds. I pray the deception of the enemy be broken this morning. Broken this morning. You are destined by God. He knew you before He formed you. Come on, let the Spirit of God be quickened in your life this morning. Let the Word of God be quickened in your life this morning. You are not here by coincidence. You are not here by some unique or strange happenstance. I'm telling you, the Lord knew you before He formed you. 
He set destiny upon your life. This is not just some word trying to encourage you. It is the clear word of the Lord saying, I've called you. I've ordained you. I've appointed you. You've got to know who you are in me to do the work I've called you to do and shaped you to do. In the name of Jesus. 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 Ananias, there's a Paul that's waiting on you to come to him. Ananias, there's a man that's going to change his world and write half of the scripture that I'll inspire. But Ananias, I need you to walk in your destiny. I need you to go when I tell you to go. I need you to pray in faith, believing that I've sent you. Ananias, my hands on your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. This altar is open to you today. 